This is the saving work of Jesus Christ. He reconciles us to God. We are separated from God in our sin, but he atones for our sin. And then we are reconciled to a holy God. See, this is what God does for us through Jesus Christ. He reconciles us to him. This is season eight of Guerrilla Christianity. My name is Pastor Brett Walker, and I'd like to thank you for listening to Guerrilla Christianity, an unconventional, no-apologies exposition of God's grace from an evangelical Methodist point of view. God's holy word is central to all we believe, so let's get into God's word right now. And our epistle lesson is from the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, and verses 20 through verse, uh, chapter 6 and verse 10. And we're going to start in the middle of verse 20. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing all things. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now please remain standing for the reading of the gospel according to St. Matthew. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, and then verses 16 through 21. Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. 
Verse 16, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head, and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Through the season of Lent, we will be in a series called Journey to the Cross. As Christians, we know that we are expected to focus on the cross of Jesus Christ. And we wear the cross as jewelry. We get cross tattoos. We have crosses that adorn our gravestones. But here in the 21st century, how many of us truly understand the gravity of what the cross symbolizes? We ask ourselves, why did Jesus have to go to the cross? Why did the apostles risk life and limb for the sake of the gospel? In the first century, when the New Testament was written, the cross was a visible representation of death and punishment, of humiliation. The early Christians fully understood what it meant and what was at stake when Jesus said that they should deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow him. This Lenten season, we are going to be focused on the cross. Throughout these 40 days, we will be taking a journey with Jesus to Calvary. We will deny ourselves with fasting, and we will take up our cross and follow Jesus. Let us pray. Gracious God, humbly we approach your throne of grace on this first day of the Lenten season. During these 40 days, remind us of your love displayed for us at the cross of Jesus Christ. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us now and grant us wisdom to know all that you would have us to know from your Holy Word. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As has been my practice throughout uh, the last, oh, 12 years or so, uh, I began in January to read through the Bible. And I've been reading through it chronologically, which means that I'm reading the Bible in the timeline, uh, in the order of events as they happen, which is very interesting. Uh, you get to Genesis chapter 12, and you immediately skip to the book of Job, because Job takes place right about the time of the life of Abraham. It helps to put things into perspective. But as such, uh, I just got into, uh, within the last week, the book of Leviticus, everybody's favorite book, the book of Leviticus, all the Levitical laws, all the laws of purity. But I, I did notice something different this time when I started to read it. 
There's a difference in three states that we as followers of God and believers in the one true living God uh, find ourselves in. First, it's the state of holiness. Holiness is the state that God is perpetually in. God is holy. And the word holiness or the word holy denotes separation, uniqueness. He is set apart. He is different from the rest of all his creation. Why? Because he is the creator. And so God is holy. But as followers of God, he also calls us to be holy for he is holy. Now, none of us throughout history, beginning in Genesis chapter 3, none of us have been 100% completely holy. But there are, other, there are also two other states that are discussed in the book of Leviticus. And this is the state of cleanness and uncleanness. Now, while uncleanness can be brought about as a direct result of our sin, oftentimes uncleanness is just a separation from God. Where God is holy and we are not. And I find it interesting that it is things like blood that separate us from God. Why? Because blood is a symbol of life. Blood is a symbol of uh, life. And when we lose blood, we, it's a symbol of our death. God is the giver of life. And as such, God requires us to be in a state of life. That's how we are made ritually clean. So the thing about Leviticus is this. At the end of the book of Exodus, they have built the tabernacle in the wilderness. The tabernacle is the tent of meeting <clears throat> where Moses will go and speak to God. But at the end of the book of uh, Exodus, after they have built the tabernacle, it says that the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And get this. Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And this is the state that we begin life in. It's very sad and very telling that at the beginning of the book of Leviticus, it says the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. Moses couldn't even enter the tent of meeting. Moses, who was supposed to be the leader of the Israelites and the representative of people to God and the representative of God to the people, he was actually over the high priest who was his brother Aaron. Aaron couldn't even enter the tabernacle. Why? Because he was unclean. And there is holiness to God that separates him from us. But what happens in the book of Leviticus is this. God, through a system of rituals and laws, makes a way for the people to approach him. 
to be made ritually clean so that they can be in his presence. And so at the end of the book of Leviticus and at the beginning of the book of Numbers, it says the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tent of meeting. You see what has happened? At the beginning of the book of Leviticus, Moses couldn't even enter the tent. But by the end, he was in the tent of meeting face to face with God. This is what Jesus Christ does for each and every one of us. He is our Levitical high priest. He is the one who makes atonement for all of us. It was his sacrifice that perfects us, that makes us clean. And as I said, there is a difference, however, between being in a state of cleanness and being in a state of holiness. When we repent of our sin, when we repent of our sin and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation, the atoning sacrifice that he performed for us on the cross is then applied to us and then his righteousness All our sin is imputed to him. All his righteousness, all his righteous acts that he ever did is imputed to us. And then God only sees the holiness of Christ in us. But here's the thing. We are made clean at the cross when we are justified. But then the Holy Spirit enters into us to make us more holy. Sanctification is the word that we use. The Holy Spirit begins to sanctify us and make us more holy. We are made ritually clean by the sacrifice of Christ. But we are made more holy through the Holy Spirit that sanctifies us and makes us pure. In this letter that Paul writes to the church in Corinth, this is his, well, it's either his third or his fourth letter. The first letter refers to a letter that he had written before. And the second letter refers to another letter that he wrote in between. So you could call this 4th Corinthians, but we don't have 1st or 3rd. So we call it 1st and 2nd Corinthians. But this is the second of the letters that we have preserved for us. And before I read what I read earlier, I want to go back three verses and begin at verse 17 of 1 Corinthians 5. Paul writes this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And see, that is the justification that we experience at the cross of Jesus Christ. He has atoned for our sins. Paul is writing this on the other side of the cross and on the other side of the empty tomb. The disciples didn't quite understand this while Jesus walked among them. But Paul understood it because he was living on the other side of the cross, as we are. And so we can understand it as well. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. This is the saving work of Jesus Christ. 
He reconciles us to God. We are separated from God in our sin, but He atones for our sin. And then we are reconciled to a holy God. Verse 19, To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. See, this is what God does for us through Jesus Christ. He reconciles us to Him. But reconciliation also denotes separation. Before we, can be sec- uh, before we can be reconciled, we first begin in a state of separation. And this is what he says. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. How, Paul? How can we be reconciled to God? And this is what he says. For... He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So our sin is imputed to Christ who was sinless. The way that these sacrifices worked in the book of Leviticus is like this. They would impute their sin upon an animal, typically a lamb, and it had to be a spotless, perfect lamb why because if the lamb had any blemish it was unworthy to make atonement for us it had to be perfect and that's why jesus is called the lamb of god john the baptist said behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world and that's what jesus did for us on the cross he carried our sin to the cross Or as Paul puts it here, he hath made him to be sin for us. Our sin is imputed to Christ so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Throughout the season of Lent, what we are focusing on is at the end of Lent on Good Friday. Good Friday, when Christ was beaten when he was betrayed, when he was nailed to a cross and left to die. And he died the death that we deserve so that in him we can have eternal life and reconciliation to God. On the cross, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken so that we could be reconciled. He was separated so that we could be reunited. And that is what we focus on during the season of Lent. And so we begin our journey to the cross. As Christians, we follow Christ, His example, and His life. And the life of Christ includes the cross. Just as Christ was crucified and bore the punishment for our sin... So we also put to death our old life and are reborn in his resurrection. The Apostle Paul put it this way in his letter to the church in Galatia. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Today is Ash Wednesday, which marks the beginning of the 40 days of Lent. The ashes that we receive are a reminder of our mortality, of our mourning for the sin that, Jesus, that put Jesus on the cross for our behalf. This Lenten season, I invite us all to focus on the cross of Jesus Christ, to deny ourselves daily, and to take up our cross and follow Him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are reminded of our separation from you, but we also know, Lord, that we are no longer in that state. For those of us who have been reconciled to you through your Son, Jesus Christ, for those of us who have repented of our sin and who have trusted not in our own goodness because we have none, but we have trusted in Jesus Christ alone, for our salvation. We bow ourselves to you, Lord. We are humbled in your presence because of what you have done for us. You have reconciled us to you, to yourself through your own Son, Jesus Christ. What great love you have demonstrated for us. Help us to remember, Lord, throughout these 40 days that we are dust. And to dust we shall return. But you have also given us eternal life for those who believe in the name of the one you have sent, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And all this we pray in his mighty and majestic name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on this edition of Guerrilla Christianity. My hope and prayer is that this time of listening to and learning from God's Word has blessed you as much as it has blessed me putting this message together. And God has also blessed me in appointing me to serve two churches in Salem County, New Jersey, Ebenezer United Methodist Church in Auburn and Hudson United Methodist Church in Pedricktown. If you don't have a church family to call your own and you live in the area, I'd like to invite you to join us on Sunday mornings. We are a Bible-believing, gospel-preaching, Christ-adoring faith community in the heart of New Jersey's farmland. Ebenezer meets for worship at 9 a.m. and Hudson meets for worship at 10.30. We also have Bible study during the week. And right now during the COVID-19 crisis, we are meeting exclusively online through Facebook Live and we'd be happy for you to join us wherever you are. Of course, if you don't live nearby, get involved with the church where you are. We are not called to be Christians in isolation, but in community. So I would encourage you to live out your faith with a group of like-minded believers wherever you are. Now, if you enjoy this podcast and would like to help support it, please share it with your friends and family. Hit like, leave a comment, and also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search for Guerrilla Christianity. Keep learning, keep growing, and I pray you will join us for Guerrilla Christianity again. Until next time, remember this, Christ died for you. Now go live for Christ.